Thank you for listening to another episode of the Shed Geek Podcast here at Union Grove Lumber Studios. To know more about the Shed Geek Podcast, visit us at shedgeek.com. And for all your lumber needs, call one of the team members at 704-539-5506 or visit us online at uniongrovelumber.com. All right, so we'll go ahead and get rolling. Um, so welcome, uh, all you Shed Geeks, to the interview. We're here with uh, Tyler Mahan, the author of Three Men and a Barrel. Uh, Tyler, uh, if you don't care, just take a moment to introduce yourself. I've got a few things on the on my notes here. Uh, I know you're from Oklahoma. I know that you uh, are or were a shed builder. You care to just introduce yourself to the industry a little bit uh, for those that don't know you already. Sure, Colonel Shannon. Thank you guys for the opportunity. I I, I don't. Somebody told me the other day after I got my book published that I was going to be famous. Now that that really hasn't <laughs> happened. Uh, but for those that may not know very much about me, I am uh, the, currently the general manager of Better Barns. Uh, we are a small shed manufacturer here in uh, central, south central Oklahoma. Uh, I've been with Better Barns since 2003. Whenever I first started, I was 17, so just to save you the math, I'm 34 now. <laughs> uh, and when I started, my brother-in-law started the company in uh, 02 and was just building sheds out in his front yard, his dad's front yard. He was a teenager, and he got to needing a little bit of help. And as I said this maybe in the book, I think, somewhere, but I fit the bill perfectly because I was just a little bitty bit of help. Uh, I was not, I didn't know anything about construction. I didn't know anything about the shed industry for sure. Uh, and so I just started helping him some, you know, in the evenings after school and you know, on Saturdays and things. And uh, so from that, then I began, I was actually the first full-time employee hired at Bed Barnes back in 03. And I've just been with the, the company ever since then. In 2015, they moved me to general manager, and basically, my role is to just do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff for the company. Uh, I try to make sure we're being profitable. I don't know how well I do at that, but I, that's my job. Uh, and then also, I am. Uh, this is kind of a. I'm a strange kind of a, a mixture of everything. I also, with the Better Barns role, I also am the supervisor of our churches. Uh, school. We have a small private school here that's just fully contained with the church. Oh, that's and awesome. I have, I have been doing that since 2005. And so I carry both roles at the same time, and sometimes it gets a little difficult to juggle all of that. Uh, but that's what I've been doing for the past 15 years or so. And my wife and I got married in 2005. We've been married ever since, and we have two children live here near Paul's Valley, Oklahoma, and I have recently written a book, and that's pretty well what I've done. Uh, I have some other books in the works. They're not shed books, <laughs> so sorry, guys. <laughs> that's okay. If, if, uh, but I, I, and I'll just say a little bit about that right quick. If, you know, if it, it fits, that's fine. Uh, but I, I went recently back in December. My family and I were uh, sitting down and reading a book every evening, just as a family, <clears throat> we read through, I think it was 25 books, one per evening for the first 25 wow. days of December. 
and my children are 12 and 8. And so, you know, the little bitty uh, children's books that are 20 pages long, they just don't do the trick for them anymore. Yeah. So we were reading books that are, you know, 70, 80, 120 pages long. And I went to a uh, local store here in the in the area to find some more books, and I was appalled at the literature in the children's book section. Oh, I'm sure. And I said, uh, this is just not fitting for children uh, to be reading. And so part of the uh, the spur for me to be writing some books is I just felt like that there needed to be somebody uh, and I, I'm not saying there's not somebody. It just seemed to me that there was a shortage of good, clean literature that was fit for children, fit for people who, uh, you know, are. I'm somewhat. A con, I'm a conservative Christian, uh, you know, and for people who uh, who want to avoid some of the things that seem to be pretty prevalent, I just felt like there was a need for somebody to write some good, clean books, and so I'm. Rather than sit around and gripe about there not being enough good, clean books, I decided to see if I could write a few myself. That's awesome. So, yeah, Tyler, you you build barns. You're a teacher and an author. Like, congratulations. That's that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's Thank great. You. Yeah, I feel like I feel like um, maybe I need to work a little harder. Yeah. All of a sudden, immediately. <laughs> uh, but that is really cool what you're doing. Uh, we, I, I, I really, I set a goal for myself this year, and it really pales in comparison and that is to read one book every two weeks so for a total of oh, 26 yeah. books um you yeah, know shannon's a bum <laughs> every day. So, yeah i i would say that i i read every day but i certainly don't read a book every day that's impressive and really um i think the shed industry and and even me and kyle definitely share in uh some of what you're saying we identify ourselves uh first and foremost as as christians and uh you know, that's really important to us. And I, I love what you said there that instead of just uh, complaining about it, it's something that me and him has been talking about for the last year now. Well, how do we, how do we change it? You know, you always hear the saying, you know, be, be the change that you want to see, but am I actually doing that? Or am I just saying that someone should do it? So we're trying to be right. better stewards of that. And we appreciate that. And uh, we appreciate not only uh, what you're doing, um, you know, in the, in the shed business, which is where we've, uh, you know, found our, our path here together, but also just as a, as a fellow Christian brother, we appreciate what you're doing. And uh, yeah, I'd love to take a look at some of those other books. Now my kids are 18 and 16 now, so I'm not sure uh, <laughs> that they'll be so interested. They, their, their attention might be lost on that as well too, but uh, certainly applaud you for that. And I think it's pretty awesome. So uh, if you don't care, we'll just kind of take a little bit of a moment here to talk about the book. Um, so, sure. you know, you started out, um, day one, you're, you're cutting shims, you know, it's like you said, you have little help to offer, but you're offering that help. Um, and then, uh, you know, you, you kind of go into the story about the, the, the three men using the barrel and, and, and the fork truck, you know, basically to bring this in and you're this young, uh, strutting peacock walking through saying, I'll, I'll, I'm going to lift this big old six by six, you know, and you've got, you got three guys over here who are like, well, you know, we're going to use our, our mind to do that. And it really speaks to what right. experience teaches you. So, uh, elaborate, uh, elaborate on that a little bit, if you will. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, when I look back on, on my 19 year old self, it makes me shake my head. Uh, but you know, I, I think all of us are probably familiar with that unless we're still 19. Amen. Uh, and I, I would, 
you know, we would get those big timbers, and, and the best I can tell just by doing some research, they weigh about at least 350 pounds. And, you know, I'm just a little scrawny kid at that time. I'm a lot fatter now, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still not a muscle man. Aren't we and all? <laughs> I, I would just try to manhandle that skid, and I would grunt, and I'd huff and puff. And, you know, when I got it all done, I guess I really thought I was impressing them you know, but they weren't impressed at all, the best I can remember. <laughs> and meanwhile, those three guys, I mean, they just, it didn't even look like they were straining. And, uh, you know, the oldest one was, I think, 50, which in my mind was ancient. Uh, and then I think the youngest one was maybe about what I am now, mid-30s, somewhere in that range. It's actually the other, the third man in the group was Billy, who is mentioned a lot in the story, and he's uh, still our, our lead builder in the shop and is just a great, tremendous guy. Uh, but he, they would just, I mean, they would team up on the skid, three of them on one little, you know, <laughs> in my mind, one little bitty old timber. And uh, they would put it at one end on a barrel and just gently roll it in and lay it down right where it went. And I just laughed at them, and I, I said a lot of things that I thought were really witty. Uh, you know, stuff like if I ever do something like that, just go ahead and commit me to the old folks home. You know, that's, that's, <laughs> and I thought I was funny, you know, in high team. And, uh, you know, the, what I drew from that story is now it's like, man, if I ever have to do that again, I'll promise you I'm going to use a barrel. Uh, you know, I'm going to be getting as many men to help me carry it as I can because I figured out it's just not worth that it. it takes such a toll on your body. And there's no sense in it. But, you know, at that time, I just, I told them, which I've always kind of had it in my mind to someday write, try to compile some stories uh, from my time at Better Barns. And I told them, I said, if I ever write a book, I'm going to name it Three Men at a Barrel. And so I did. That's awesome. That's what I did. Yeah. So I've always had the motto, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> I think I think that's kind of what you're talking about here. So Yeah, I right. think there's a uh I think there's a song by Travis Tritt talking about where corn don't grow and he's saying I was only seventeen back then but I, I thought that I knew more than I know now. And that sort of right. reminds me of your story. I really enjoy that song because uh uh too many times I can look back and, and and say in all of my wisdom in my youth, um I didn't know anything. So absolutely. sometimes, absolutely. uh, sometimes I, I laugh at myself as I look back and probably still have a long way to go, but, uh, I, I can promise he's working on me daily. So no, that's right. awesome. I, I love the story. So, uh, one that really sticks out to me, uh, page eight, I love this. So I've, I've, I've just got this word that's on my mind, <clears throat> excuse me. That's really been, um, being, um, being brought to my attention for, for some reason and it's creativity. And uh, I used uh -huh. to always tell the story. Kyle's probably heard it a few times, you know, um, that always say, "What's uh, well, God says that we're made in his image, but what is his image? And um, we, we think about his personality. And he sort of tells us that in the very beginning. He says, in the beginning, God created. So six words in, right. we, hear, we hear about his creativity being, being part of mm -hmm. his nature. And I was reading on page eight, and it says, uh, being creative at work, this is quoting from your book now, uh, being creative at work is not about being lazy. It is not about getting out of working hard. It is about saving time and effort over the long haul. Do not just always do what you've always done. There are always ways to do things better. Use your God-given creativity to improve your daily life. Let's make the world a better place to live. And I just love that, man. That's um, Thank you. 
Wow. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you've heard the story about, you know, our, our pastor would tell it, uh, the story about the lady with the ham. Uh, it seems like it's made its way around with several, <laughs> several variations, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, right. uh mm-hmm. but that's what I thought about with the story. And when I think about creativity, um, not only what you did here by, you know, authoring a book about the shed industry, uh, but also the creativity and the work that you did every day. Um, how do you feel creativity finds its home in, in the shed industry? Do you, do you care to elaborate on that just a little? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, when I first started in the shed, I hate to even say shed industry because where we were in 2003, there wasn't even really an industry, at least here in Oklahoma. Well, uh, the only that a local lumber yard. Uh, and so what I have seen in the past, you know, 17 years or so, uh, what, what do you call it? I think some of the people call it the lofted classic, you know, just a small four foot sidewall, uh, barn style building to, to now you see some very, very, I don't know, maybe fancy is the right word. Uh, but some really nice-looking, like, studio sheds and some very modern-looking buildings. And it seems to me like the whole entire industry has been creative in, in uh, finding new ways to present the, the storage product to uh, to new kinds of customers, you know, uh, rather than just where we market specifically. I guess I'm just speaking from my own experience here. It's a primarily a rural uh, customer base, and so a lot of them are perfectly fine with the old barn style look. Uh, but when we have tried to break into some more uh, urban, like the Oklahoma City metro area, we find that a lot of them uh, they prefer more of a like a, uh, a homey looking, you know, like a just what we call our gable, just regular house uh, truss uh, roof line, and so. You know, just we have recently rolled out the uh, the stone wainscot. The I don't know if it's okay to to use a company name on the podcast, but uh, some of you may be familiar with the, the stone wainscoting. We started uh, putting that on some of our sheds, and again, I think there's just all these different products and things that are changing and evolving in the market to make the whole entire industry more creative. And then maybe just on a small level, you know, in, in the book, uh, I talk about a, a tool called, we call it the Helpa Hoot, uh, which that's a, a whole other story. But, uh, just <laughs> which which a, I'd love to get a, into. <laughs> okay. Uh, on a, on, just on a daily, uh, just, you know, every shed builder I know that I've ever worked with that worked at, for any length of time building sheds, uh, they're constantly finding new ways to uh, to just make something that we've done for a long time just a little bit easier. And I'll share maybe just one little story about that. Uh, we had a, a young man named Tori that worked for us. He was mentioned in one of the stories, I think. But he, uh, he had just been working for us for a few weeks, maybe. And we had always done a certain thing. Well, what we do is we caulk where the decking meets the siding on a barn-style building so that there's no daylight shining through there, keep the wasps out and so on. 
Uh, and we had always done that from the uh, inside of the building. And we got up on a stool and we went around. Kind of, it was it was a really a pain to do. And he said, "Why don't we just do this from the outside? It'd be a lot easier." And you know, we've I've been doing it for years, and I'd always just been frustrated about it and like, man, this is such a pain to do this. Uh, but you know, it's just the way we've always done it. And this guy that came in and hadn't been with us hardly any length of time, he's like, man, this is a dumb way to do this. Let's just, let's do this simpler. And, you know, now we've been doing it his way for, I don't know, 14, 15 years, and it's so much better. But if we had just always stuck with what we always did, you know, it would have, <laughs> you know what, you know what that's like. We just always done it that way. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I love, I, I love the story there and, and, you know, trying to keep things, uh, simpler is, is often challenging, but, uh, very rewarding at, at times too. So, um, so now let's see, it says in the book that you worked with, uh, with Vance and it sounds like that as I read through some of the stories, he's sort of like the, uh, the, uh, Batman and Robin, you know, here a little bit. And, <laughs> and, uh, right. uh, I, I noticed Hobbs, New Mexico came up in that conversation and we've even experienced, uh, having some, uh, friends out in Hobbs or that have come from the Hobbs area and, and all of that. Oh, um, really? so yeah, well, sometimes, you know, people find their, their, their way around the industry quite often, um, you know, sure. in, in different locations. So whenever I heard that name, it was kind of, kind of pleasant to see, uh, one of our old friends, one of our, one of our drivers, actually, um, he was, uh, he, he had, he had derived from Hobbs. So I think he was out there for quite some time. Um, Right. So tell tell us about uh, tell us about Help a Hoot. Uh, tell 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 the audience what what that is. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's it's actually just a really simple board twister. And so, for those of you that have been in the industry, you probably have some iteration of that. Uh, what it is is just a, it's a simple construction of a, a two by four that's you know say four or five foot long. And on the end of the two before are a couple of blocks that are, you know, say 16 to 24 inches long that are screwed solidly to the board, but that overhang the, the main board about four to six inches. And you put that on a twisted board and then it gives you leverage to twist the board where it goes. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people have something similar to that uh, in the shed industry or any construction industry. And what happened? was we had just always called it our board twister, uh, you know, because we're not real creative with names sometimes. <laughs> uh, but uh, now uh, Vance, and you mentioned Vance. Vance is the owner uh, of the company. Maybe just real quick background here. Vance was my brother-in-law. And uh, when I started, he wasn't, but I, I married his sister. And his father, Dallin, who is also mentioned maybe a time or two in the book, uh, is with the other half owner. And so basically Dallin put the money up, told Vance, we'll let you do all the work. Here's some money to get started. And it was just a handshake agreement between father and son. And I, I don't know that they really expected it to be very big. I think it was just kind of something for Vance to do to make some money in his teenage years. And, uh, you know, it's grown now to where we employ about 20 people and it's kind of a big business, at least in our eyes. So, Anyway, back to the story. So Vance's baby brother Dakota is uh, was at that time probably four, five, six years old. He was a, he was come along late uh, in life for his parents, and he was a pest. 
uh, and I'm talking about like very few people are as much of a pest as what he was, and he's still somewhat of a pest. <laughs> I say that with all good humor. So people. is Kyle. Yeah, that's that was my nickname in high school. Just <laughs> <laughs> but in good fun, Dakota and actually the whole family, they love to just just be pests. My wife is that way too, and, and really Vance is, but Dakota. And he would come into the shop while I was working, and he would just do all kinds of things to me while I was trying to work. And so after a while, uh, you know, I mean, at that time, I'm just this guy that's working for this man and his son. And and so I went to Vance and Dad, and I said, listen, guys, I just can't get anything done with Dakota down here. He's just messing with me all the time, and, you know, I don't want to hurt the poor little kid. I thought maybe they would help me with that, and they did. They, you know, they took care of him. He's not a bad kid. He just was a pet. Sure. So, uh, anyway, we. It, it's kind of strange the way things like this work. But Dakota was in there one day, and and one of us said something to him because he was being a pet, and he said, you know, we told him to quit or told him something, and he said, well, I don't give a hoot. Well, his dad, Dallin, is our pastor, and he is a very uh, old school disciplinarian and uh when he heard dakota say that he said well i'll help your hoot and he uh you know got a hold of him like like old school disciplinarians do and so lance and i thought that was funny uh dakota <laughs> didn't didn't appreciate the humor but we did and so we we helped everything suit for a good long time you know we you know how it is you got to get your hammer out and bang on something i was helping that board suit and you know all that stuff and it just kind of became a saying around the shop. Well, at the same time, we had bought a at least one, and I think it was two great big flatbed trailer loads of coal lumber from a big old lumber yard uh, over in Payton, Oklahoma. That uh, probably a it's, it's one of those kind of places that people who like to go junking would dream of because it's you know the, the man that owned it had owned it for i don't know 30 40 50 years and he just had a huge pile of stuff and so we bought a couple of trailer loads if i remember correctly of old coal junk lumber and uh so we used it in the floors because it wasn't rotten and stuff it was just really twisted or really bowed and things like that and so for weeks months I don't know. It was a long time. Every floor we built was built out of that stuff. And it was just terrible. And so we used the board twister like all the time. Uh, and it just became so common because we were saying the saying about helping your hoot. And we were using this board twister until it just kind of merged and it, it became a help a hoot because it was helping the board suit so much. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where that came from. And it's like a lot of other things, it's kind of hard to understand how all that happened. Even telling the story, it's like, I'm still not sure why we call it a helper. But <laughs> it just kind of became that, you know. And now uh, every one of our board twisters in the shop and a uh, big black Sharpie marker is written help a hoot on it. It's just what everybody calls it. It's not even ever called a board twister. Yeah. So I, I know that, Tyler, in, in, in the book, you talk about, you know, customer demands and difficult customers. Can, can you give yep, me, yep. can you give me a story? Um, you don't have to name names obviously, but <laughs> can you give me a <laughs> story you. of, of, uh, of one of your most difficult customers and 
Because I know in the shed industry, me and me and Shannon used to have a lot, and my gosh, do we have a lot of stories? Absolutely, <laughs> of customers, and we know <laughs> we know how they can be. Uh, we love our customers, obviously, but uh, there are some there are some difficult ones out there. So if you could give us a, a funny story or something that you know that you've that you've had in their past, sure, yeah, the story I share in the book, uh, and I, I don't remember for sure what chapter it is. But I share a story in the book about the, the most difficult customer that I have ever dealt with. Join us next Wednesday as we continue our discussion with Tyler Mahan, author of Three Men in a Barrel. Welcome back to another episode of the Shed Geek Podcast. This is Mo Lunsford of Union Grove Lumber. We would like to welcome you to the Union Grove Lumber Studios. Hey, we're this year's studio sponsor. And this is your host, Shannon Latham. Here at the Shed Geek Podcast, we give you education you can use and entertainment you need.